It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, once gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. That's a photo of you, yes? Yes. Okay. Um, That's Mr. Rittenhouse? Correct. Okay. Now, you'd agree your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, correct? Yes. Okay. And once your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, that's when he fires his gun. Yes? No. <laughs> Sir, look, I don't want to... Does this look like right now your arm is being shot? That looks like my... Bicep being vaporized, yes. Okay. And it's being vaporized as you're pointing your gun directly at him. Yes? Yes. Okay, so when you were standing three to five feet from him with your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Uh, that was probably the most stunning soundbite I will play all day. Uh, if you don't know the context, it's the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. That's the 17-year-old boy who went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, after the shooting of another black man uh, and riots ensuing in the streets and burning down, you know, street after street. Kenosha's just this small little cute uh, Wisconsin town just north of the border of Illinois, very familiar with it. And, and so Kyle goes from a neighboring city, which is just across the border in Illinois. He's uh, trained uh, as a medic. He's trained as a, a shooter. He wants to be a policeman. I think he's an ROTC. Uh, he's, uh, he goes to help, and he takes his gun. And at, uh, we're going to go into this in more detail in another segment. But what was happening there was one of the three that he shot. He killed two and shot a third. Um, and video footage shows clearly, clearly it was self-defense. We'll get into that. Uh, but Gage Grosskreutz uh, survived, and Gage had made all kinds of uh, claims to the police about um, how he tried to help Kyle, uh, how you know he was shot defenseless and all of these things. So when he said yesterday on the stand he was supposed to be you know, testifying against Kyle Rittenhouse, that Kyle did not shoot him until he drew his gun and was pointing it at Kyle. That was a drop-dead moment. That's the moment when Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney basically said to the judge, you know, this is whatever the legal term is. This There should not be a trial here. He didn't say this. He used the legal term. But what are we doing? There is no evidence that Kyle had murdered anyone or shot anyone uh, except in self-defense. And so that was a, that was Gage Grosskreutz, who's uh, Antifa and all kinds of things. We'll talk about him more later. Uh, but I can't. I honestly don't even know why he did that, why he said that on the 
under under cross-examination, it just doesn't really make any sense. He said other things, too, that we'll get into later, but just a tease. We're going to talk about that just a little bit later. But, of course, another huge thing that happened yesterday, we told you uh, on uh, Monday, because today's Tuesday, the days go by so fast, that uh, the Fifth Circuit Court had um, ordered a stay on the mandate that pre- that President Biden had finally, finally put into writing. And so uh, the Fifth Circuit Court w- had a petition that was filed uh, partly by AFA and Daystar Television by First Liberty Institute, uh, and they said that their petitions gave cause to believe there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. The mandate is hereby stayed pending further action by this court, and we are celebrating, and we were celebrating, and we will remain celebrating, but I just want you to know how the Biden administration responded to that. Let's listen to the deputy press secretary addressing it. This is clip eight. This is about keeping people in a workplace safe. We're trying to get past this pandemic, and we know the way to do that is to get people vaccinated. So people should not wait. They should continue to, to go uh, move forward and make sure that they're getting their, their, uh, their workplace vaccinated. Yeah, so basically they're saying ignore what the judge said, continue to vaccinate, force vaccinate your people. If you don't believe that, I have a a clip from, I think it's MSNBC, a whole screenshot of uh, them saying in writing that the Biden administration is telling businesses to ignore uh, what the court said, why the Fifth Circuit said. And someone has pointed out that that's when intelligence analysts look at countries and try to figure out when they are moving uh, toward uh, uh, complete control by their government, this is one of the things they look for. When a government com- starts ignoring any other entity, the courts, the law, uh, and just is lawless, that's when a country is in very deep trouble. And so um, this is what they said. They said, we think that people should not wait. Do not wait to take actions that will keep your workplace safe. It is important and critical to do, and waiting to get more people vaccinated will lead to more outbreaks and sickness. The Department of Labor has a responsibility to keep workers safe and the legal authority to do so. Well, the Biden administration is ignoring this, but the people around the country are very upset. I'm going to give you an example. In Los Angeles, I believe this was uh, footage from yesterday. Let's listen to a report from a news outlet out there, clip 14. We are over Grand Park in downtown Los Angeles, right across from City Hall, and we see a large group gathering and more people coming here, anti-vax protesters. There's a rally against mandatory vaccinations, uh, law enforcement, uh, firefighters. We've seen a lot of signs, uh, no forced vaccinations, stop the mandate. Of course, one of the things they're concerned about is December 18th of this year is a deadline for those vaccinations for city employees. If they don't have it, they will be terminated. A lot of mandates getting into restaurants and other things of that nature, other venues, and people are protesting the fact that they have to be vaccinated to do that. A lot of signs out here, a lot of American flags as well. What I don't see are masks on the individuals out here, so they don't feel that masks are really important as well against uh, COVID-19. But the uh, crowd will show you, it looks to me like at least a 1,000 people, maybe more, are gathering here. Yes, all right. So that was in Los Angeles just yesterday, and I want to uh, come back to that. This, this is the article. It was CNBC, uh, who their meme is: White House tells businesses to proceed with vaccine mandate despite court-ordered pause. So that's your lawless administration, the one that uh, we are not sure we elected, but the one that took power 
uh, forcing people to go ahead. Now, why are we so upset about this? Well, let me give you another reason to be upset, okay? We are already concerned that uh, there's there are health risks with this vaccine. I'm going to go into more of that today if I have if I have time. Uh, we're learning more and more about this. In fact, the people that made the vaccine are now beginning to actually study why it's causing so many heart problems in young men uh, and in men in general. What's happening here? Uh, you know, might be an, a good idea to pause while we look at that. But no, everything's upside down here. You must be vaccinated. Here's another thing that Technofog has just reported. The more serious issues with the OSHA COVID-19 vaccine mandate, OSHA can, quote, examine and copy each employee's COVID-19 vaccine documentation. What does that mean? OSHA says it does not need employee permission to access employee medical records. So part of the motive here is to have access when you are vaccinated They are able to then access all of your medical records, the federal government. Let's see, shall we say FBI, maybe, maybe the IRS, maybe the Justice Department. They can see everything about you, all of your medical records. And, of course, when they do that, they can absolutely control you. That's why many of us were fighting against socialized medicine, because we don't need government invading our private lives. That's when they start controlling us, which they're doing right now through a health issue. And so as a result of this, I just played you that sound clip from Los Angeles. Hundreds of thousands of people are going on a nationwide strike over the mandates, the national mandates. In fact, let me read to you what it says here, because you might want to join this. I recommend that you do. Um, nationwide strike against vaccine mandates will take place from November 8th through November 11th. Uh, the uh, organizer is Lee Dundas, a human rights attorney. Uh, the event will kick off in Los Angeles on Monday. That's probably what that sound was from. Uh, locations around the country have not been disclosed yet. Uh, but basically they're saying the Golden Gate Bridge Rally is going to be an epic and unprecedented moment in time. It will mark on Veterans Day evening a four-day nationwide walkout by rank-and-file workers everywhere from blue-collar to white-collar, black, white, yellow, red, every faith, every creed, who are uniquely united despite their differences on the common truth uh, that vaccine mandates have no place in a truly free society. Every group, anti-vaccine, Black Lives Matter, gay, straight, Jewish, Muslim, Native American, Asian, Latino, Christian, atheist, all groups are coming together for this one historic moment in time to trumpet not just to our own government, but indeed to the watching eyes of the world that vaccine mandates will no longer be tolerated. That in this country, we are the government because our founding fathers knew this truth. A truly free nation is a nation of the people, by the people, for the people, that we are the leaders we have been waiting for and that today marks the day that we retire vaccine mandates as a concept that cannot live in a free society, and that we are indeed simply that, a free society. And then uh, um, Epoch Times wrote this article I'm reading from. They give a number of testimonies from people who, have, who are going to be, uh, t- you know, lose their jobs, but we don't need their testimonies. I have you, my audience, it's much more personal. Many of you are struggling with this, and un- understandably, just... Just uh, sad to to see what's happening. And so uh, there is going to be a nationwide strike, and uh, you might want to join that. Uh, and uh, I guess tonight, uh, today's the day, t- right now is the time to fight. There's no question about that. All right, I have uh, so many more things to tell you, as I often do. I really I do find that the news is just 
blowing up, and it's um, it's it's challenging <laughs> to keep uh, over uh, in all of it. And I want to do that for you, for your sake. I want to stay on it as much as I can, go through it, and then tell you the things that I think are most pressing. So um, here's a little bit of sidebar. This is maybe not quite so serious. Chuck Todd interviewed Governor Pat. This is not the right name for the governor, but it's the governor of New Jersey. And I want you to hear what they have to say. Chuck Todd and the governor of New Jersey. Let's listen. Clip nine. Mandate fatigue. Everybody has it. I think you know it. Probably people that abide by the rules have it. Uh, Considering that that seemed to be a little bit of a motivator for some, are you at all thinking about some relief on any of your mandates? Listen, there's mandate fatigue everywhere, including with yours truly, so let there be no doubt about that. Um, at the moment, no, but my, my hope is particularly with our kids under the age of 12 that now being able to get the vaccine, that we will at some day sooner than later be able to lift the mask mandate that we have in schools. That, that is my fervent hope. We're not there yet, uh, but please, God, we can get there sooner than later. We've got to get there safely, responsibly, but I believe we can get there, and I hope it's sooner than later. All right, so that's Phil Murphy. He's the governor of uh, Virginia, uh, New Jersey. And he was challenged by Citiorelli, who is a accountant, a Jack Citiorelli. By the way, we talked about this yesterday. Citiorelli has not conceded, and he is uh, waiting. There are some uh, absentee ballots coming in. Uh, there's some provisional ballots, 70,000. And so they, the thought is that if they can get close enough I think it's a 1% spread where they have to have a recount. That's what they're waiting for. And so um, Murphy, of course, has been one of the worst governors in the country, really, to to just shut everything down and punish his people and exercise, flex his, you know, totalitarian muscles. And so that's good news uh, if, if indeed, uh, Citiarelli uh, can prevail in that. But it's a long shot. No question about it. But uh, that's just an update. So many good things actually happened in the election. I want you to know that the Nevada Democratic Party is uh, really in total disarray, which means that uh, they may lose, uh, may not be able to maintain their Senate seat for the upcoming election. Connecticut, the GOP gained tremendous uh, gains there, well, good gains there in Connecticut because Connecticut has been totally lost to the left. And so I just wanted to give you some more good news about the election that happened um, uh, recently. So, okay. Kyle Rittenhouse and a bunch of other stuff. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The church is growing big time in Latin America, and here's why. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. If you follow groups like Barna who measure church growth in America, they'll tell you it's somewhat stunted. In fact, it may have even dipped here in America. But it prompts you to look at where is it growing around the world. It's in places like Latin America because people are willing to suffer for the gospel. Let me tell you about a church outside of Caracas, Venezuela. They are rescuing women who are kidnapped and forced into prostitution by the drug cartel. They're serious about this. In fact, one of the members was killed by the cartel. His corpse pulled behind a truck to make an example to other Christians to stay out of the way to the cartel. But I can tell you this church is focused on what they believe God has called them to. And they have led more than a hundred women, former prostitutes to faith in Christ. And these women are needing Bibles because they're non-existent in that part of Venezuela. Please, at $5 a Bible, make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. 
The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. Big Bird is now a puppet for the Biden administration. The beloved Sesame Street character featured in a Twitter message announcing he's been vaccinated. The Centers for Disease Control signed off on vaccines for children as young as five years old, and they're using cartoon characters and puppets to try and coerce youngsters into getting the jab. Senator Ted Cruz accused Sesame Street of producing government propaganda for youngsters, and he's not wrong. The truth is children are among the least likely to get the virus and among the most likely to recover if they do. But this is all part of a nationwide effort by the Biden administration to turn children against their parents. And now they've turned Big Bird into a feathered fascist. Christmas is just around the corner, and my new book makes a great stocking stuffer. Our daily biscuit devotions with a drawl available at your favorite bookstore or online at ToddStarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, Sean, on Saturday morning, uh, I acknowledge that, but I woke up to a pre-dawn raid uh, banging on my door. I went to the door to answer the door, and there were 10 FBI agents with a battering ram, uh, white blinding lights. They turned me around, handcuffed me, and threw me against the hallway. Uh, I was partially clothed in front of my neighbors. Uh, They confiscated my phone. They raided my apartment. On my phone were many of my reporter's notes, a lot of my sources unrelated to this story, and a lot of confidential donor information to our news organization, Sean. So I've heard the phrase, the process is the punishment. I didn't really understand what that meant until this weekend. And, And Sean, I wouldn't wish this on any journalist. Yeah, so that's a good friend, James O'Keefe. I've known James for years since he was just a young guy getting started. I think he's a, he has tremendous integrity. I support what he does. I haven't given him money, but I should, and I probably for certainly should right now. But uh, the FBI has searched his home, and whole, the whole issue is on a diary that belonged to the daughter of Joe Biden, Ashley Biden. So uh, James says that someone some entity uh, contacted Veritas because they're they're known, of course, 
for whistleblowers and disclosing information, all kinds of information. And they've been very, very effective. Uh, And so someone told them that they had Ashley Biden's diary. And they turned it over to Project Veritas, who looked at the diary and just felt they could not verify if it was hers or not. And they just decided, this has been some time ago. And so they actually called the police and turned the diary over to uh, the, uh, I don't know what entity of the police. And that's been some time ago. And now suddenly, the FBI began earlier this week by uh, raiding, raiding, uh, oh gosh, all the other reporters, their homes. It started with that. And then they finally got to James' home. Uh, yesterday and so or a day before and so that was him with Sean Hannity last night explaining what they had done uh, it's just and they had then here it, J- James is a journalist they took his phones both of his phones that have all like his contacts the whistleblowers that have contacted him the information that he has stories he's working on really privileged information the FBI took they took it uh, with no, uh, you know, no criminal activity on the part of Project Veritas or on James, uh, they took that stuff. And of course, you think they're not going to use what James has? And think about all the people that have reached out to him from various news organizations. He's talked to in uh, CNN, New York Times. Uh, he's had whistleblowers from all of those entities. You think they're not going to go after them? Those people that came out to try to say something, Facebook. Google all of the people that have come to James to try to tell the story of what's going on behind the scene. Uh, and now the FBI has this stuff. It's really, really frightening. It's frightening. Uh, and uh, I, I just, um, it's frightening because this is going to happen to each of us. Do you understand that? It won't stop with just the public personalities that you see. This is how people get frightened and intimidated because they fear such nighttime raids and breaking down their doors and the humiliation and, you know, the uh, the taking of personal items. That's what they do. That's what they did all the January 6th, well, most, many of the January 6th defendants went to their homes and did these raids and embarrassed them in front of their neighbors and took all their electronic devices and, you know, put their children, you know, their put their children through that ordeal as well as the parents and then carried them off and put them in prison without any kind of charges uh, in the D.C. jail for endless amounts of time, some since last January. This is, this is just horrendous. This is not this country. This is not a free country. And that's why uh, the mandates, the vaccine mandates, are related to this in the sense that they are trying to control each and every one of us. And we have to say no, regardless of how you feel about the vaccine, and some of you, I know many of you have had the vaccine, and I never discouraged anyone not to get it. I, I do now because I did not realize, even at the time, months ago when we started talking about this, how harmful, it, potentially harmful it was. We didn't know those things. We know them now. Uh, nevertheless, you know, it's those of you that have had the vaccine and some of my family have had the vaccine, um, it's no happy thought to think, you know, that we don't know exactly what that means. Perhaps it will mean nothing for some of you. We just pray that that will be the case. But it might mean something down the road that you don't like. And so, you know, I think about, I've thought about this before, where it comes to vaccine mandates and people hesitant to 
fight against the vaccine, even though they have second thoughts about having had it. It reminds me a lot. Just stay with me for a second. It reminds me very much of the dynamic of so many women who've had abortions because it was legal and they thought it was okay. And then they come to the knowledge of how much damage, in fact, they may have experienced in their own lives, inability to get pregnant again or depression or a regret or sadness, whatever. But I find that a lot of women will just double down and get angry about any suggestion that abortion might not be good because it would mean then that they had done something they should not have done. And I see that similarity here with the vaccine. I'm just begging all of you not to... Uh, to to take the information in and then do what is right uh, with the knowledge that you have. And uh, if you've decided to take the vaccine and you find out to your satisfaction that it's uh, it was maybe not the best uh, decision you ever made or there might have been some danger or that you may have put family members in danger by encouraging it, then the the best way to rectify that is to, you know, just help us, help us stop this, certainly. Certainly help us stop any mandatory vaccine, vaccination of our children. I didn't mean to get off on the vaccine again, but there I was. I want to go back to James. Well, now James is uh, being persecuted, really, by the FBI. And that reminds me of the Kyle Rittenhouse case, which I want to talk about next. You know, Kyle, uh, there is a lot of video footage of uh, that. what happened that night. You, I've been following this story for a long time when it happened, and I guess because we're Chicagoans and uh, Kenosha is so close and Wisconsin's, you know, we're like cousins. We're very, very close, and uh, the town, again, that Kyle was from is, very, is on the border of Illinois and, um, and Wisconsin, and so uh, we watched it with great interest, and it was very sad to see a lovely little uh, Wisconsin city, you know, burn and burn and burn, and the uh, the car dealerships, just all the cars burned, and the the city rioting, uh, it was a, a very sad thing to watch. And so when Kyle, this kid from another town in Illinois, comes in with his gun, he's trained uh, how to shoot, he's 17, he wants to be a policeman, uh, he has all of these certifications. He really, is, under any other circumstance, would be uh, considered an exemplary, the kind of 17-year-old every mother would want to have. There's, I remember there was a picture of him uh, volunteering to paint at his school, and they all he was with a bunch of other kids, and they're doing this volunteer work to fix places up. That's the kind of kid he was, and uh, he went to Kenosha to try to help because he it was a neighboring town, and he uh, saw what was happening. We all knew what was happening in the riots of uh, that particular season in our country. What was summer of 2020? I believe that's uh, most of this took place. This was a Black Lives Matter Antifa. It was the anti police movement. Some people in the streets in Kenosha were good people who were from the black community who, again, believed that white police were killing black young men. And I and so they were impassioned about that. I'd say it was, at the time, not totally the clear picture of it, but that's the, it was a mixed bag, as all kinds of riots and uh, mass— there were people that used that. They used people that are upset to stir the pot and to make it worse— and uh, I think out of this is uh, what we saw. We saw Antifa there. We saw Black Lives Matter there. And so, um, Kyle, uh, the point I want to make about the FBI before I get into the trial and the other things, there was a tremendous amount of video that night. Uh, and so um, we just found out, though, this week that the FBI lost 
They had aerial footage of this. They had infrared, you know, where they could see who was doing what and running around, and uh, they had footage of that. Uh, They had HD footage of it that they withheld from Kyle's defense. And then they told the judge, as we understand it, that they lost it. Oh, they oh, they lost it. They they don't know what they did with it. And so that's one of the big things that happened in his trial this week. It started on Monday up in Kenosha. And leading up to this, uh, the people of Kenosha and around that area, you know, have been led to believe in, and the mainstream media have been happy to carry the water that Kyle was bloodthirsty, that he was carrying this gun. So he, you know, he just was looking for someone to shoot. Uh, it's a completely distorted picture. And then they also, you know, he ended up shooting and killing two people, two men, and shooting and seriously wounding a third man. Uh, and they made it sound like, if that, if that's all you know, then of course that sounds uh, like he was exactly what they painted him as. But when you see the footage, and there's more footage besides this on-the-ground footage, I was actually trying to get a couple of the photographers uh, videographers on with me this morning, but so far, no luck. And if I can get them, I still will do that because they were there that night. Uh, but you can see, because I've seen this, I saw this months ago, that Kyle is being pursued and that they, one of them stands over him and starts beating him with a skateboard. Uh, and that is a weapon, you know, and another one has a gun and points, the, points it at him. It, it was clearly self-defense. And I think that that clip that we played a few minutes ago by Gage Grosskreutz, uh, where Gage actually admits he's the one who survived. Uh, his bicep, I think, on his right arm was shattered. Uh, he um, he admits that Kyle did not shoot him until he pointed, Gross, uh, Gage pointed his gun at Kyle. I, it was amazing admission on that, uh, on the uh, on the chair as he was uh, testifying. Grosskreutz also had told the police that um, a Glock th- fell out of his waist uh, and uh, he didn't have, he was not able to use his gun. You know, that's why he was disarmed. He was not armed when he was shot. But it turns out that wasn't true either. And I think you should hear this. If you don't believe me, I'm not exaggerating, but let's listen to this interaction between uh, Kyle's defense attorney and Gage Groyskortz on the issue of the Glock. Here it is. Mr. Groyskortz, I'm going to show you what has been marked as exhibit number 69 for identification. Do you recognize that document? I do. And that's, if I could be fair, I'm not going to stand by you the whole time, so I'm sorry, but um, is that your signature? That is. Okay. And it appears that that is, um, it says on 8-25-20 at 11.30 p.m. at 6300 Sheridan Road, and then it goes on a narrative version of your statement. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And if I could, toward the end of that large paragraph. You'd agree it says, sometime during the incident, my Gen 4 Glock 27 that had a belt clip attached fell off my waist. Correct? Correct. Okay. That's a lie, right? I wouldn't say that's a lie, no. You didn't take the Glock out of your back here and run with it? I did. So it didn't fall off your waist. It was in your hand. That's correct. So you would say that's not a lie? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he would say that's not a lie. And again, uh, they go, and there's another interesting moment. Of course it was a lie. He told the police that the Glock fell out of his waist and he didn't have his gun, and that was not true. And then he admitted in that first clip we played for you uh, that he had a gun and pointed it at uh, Kyle. And then it wasn't until he did that that when Kyle shot him, he actually admits that. 
I don't know if the guy's on drugs or what. I don't. He seems he's a good-looking guy. They've got him all cleaned up, uh, and he's got a suit on. Um, and I don't know what he does for a living. Maybe he just uh, goes around and creates revolutions. In fact, I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but here's a third lie that he told. He's on the he's on the witness stand, and he's admitting to these major lies. Here's the third one, clip three. You believe in this picture. One of the reasons you wanted to intervene was you believe that Mr. Rittenhouse was in danger of being seriously hurt, right? In part, yes. And you had mentioned to the police that evening that you tried telling Mr. Huber, you just said the guy, but you tried telling the guy to stop hitting him with the skateboard. Is that right? That is what I put in my statement, yes. Is that true? With the benefit of hindsight, I don't believe that to be true, no. Okay, so when you told that to the police that you told the guy with the skateboard to stop hitting him, that, that what, that's not correct, that's not true. That is correct. Isn't that the weirdest thing? And then they said it was so remarkable that Kyle Rittenhouse, who was, of course, sitting right there in front of the witness with with his attorneys, uh, just uh, just looked uh, just a sigh of relief. And as a matter of fact, uh, the uh, attorney, now there's several attorneys here, and I'll get their names mixed up, but one of the defense lawyers, Nick Rochietta, uh, shouted into the video, directed verdict. Directed verdict, and uh, I don't know what that means. Um, I should bring my husband in to talk about that. But uh, according to Ace of Spades, uh, who is a, another journalist, this is what it means. That's where the defense motions that no reasonable jury could find against, find against the defendant on the facts as presented. If the judge agrees, he issues a directed verdict, which says that the trial is over. They don't have to go any further. And he will write the jury's verdict himself and that the verdict is not guilty. So that's what uh, the uh, defense attorney Nick Ricchietta shouted out, directed verdict. But I guess the judge did not do that. Uh, By the way, we know that uh, uh, Gage Grosskreutz uh, is affiliated with, that's all he would admit to, the People's Revolution. He speaks for them. They ask him if he... Uh, Does he speak for them? Has he ever said, you know, long live the revolution? And he said, yes, yes, I I have. Uh, And also, it looks as though uh, he's got some kind of a deal where he'll make $10 million if uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is convicted. Maybe he didn't help himself much on that money. He kind of smirked at the end when he was confronted with that one. It was an amazing day yesterday. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen and if justice will be done. I'll be right back. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net.
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the most recent reports provided by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, researchers looked at fertility rates for women of all age groups and ethnicities and found the nationwide rate was 16% lower than what is needed for a population to replace itself. There has been much discussion about the demographic winter in various European countries. Well, that demographic winter has reached the United States. The first command God gave mankind in Scripture was be fruitful. But man has the penchant to fancy his own ways over God's. Rejecting God's ways always carries severe consequences. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Maybe this is you too. A lot of people do not like their health plan right now and they're worried they're stuck with it. One that costs too much or doesn't meet their needs or for whatever reason, they're just not happy with it. If that is you, some great news. There really is another choice. It's called MediShare, and it's such a great option, especially if you're self-employed, changing jobs, or part of the gig economy. Here's what you get when you switch to MediShare. First, huge savings. The typical family saves $500 a month. You also get a massive doctor network, or you can just use the doctor of your choice, or MediShare's free 24-7 telehealth option. And you get to be part of something you can believe in. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. No wonder MediShare gets double the customer satisfaction ratings compared with typical health insurance. So no, you are not stuck. You've got a great alternative. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute, an aspect of the Biden administration's Marxist wrecking operation that is now either directly or indirectly harming every American is its takedown of U.S. energy security. Instead of independence from unreliable, if not hostile, sources of energy, Biden's team seems determined to increase our reliance on such sources. For example, the White House confirmed yesterday that it's reviewing the environmental grounds for shutting down yet another pipeline from Canada to the U.S. Such a step will likely make more urgent President Biden's humiliating begging of OPEC to send us more of their fossil fuels. At a minimum, it will increase the already soaring costs of energy here and intensify the stagflationary economic nightmare that has become a hallmark of the Biden presidency. Voting nationwide last week suggests that the American people want relief from such ideologically driven punishment, not more of it. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. So before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture uh, casket, I think I'd like to set the record straight. I'm not... uh, 
you know, some sort of anti-vax flat earther. Um, I, I am somebody who's a critical thinker. I believe strongly in bodily autonomy and the ability to make choices for your body, not to have to acquiesce to some woke culture or crazed, you know, group of individuals who say you have to do something. Health is not a one-size-fits-all. That's Aaron Rodgers, uh, the quarterback for uh, the... Oh, my son will kill me. For the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you know, this uh, famed quarterback. And I guess uh, with him sitting out of the game on Sunday, they didn't do so well with their uh, the, the quarterback they'd hoped to replace him with. You know, I've there, Aaron has done some things that I've been very disappointed in uh, in the last several years, and we've been a little less enthusiastic about him. But this, you know, this has uh, kind of got me cranked. I'm very grateful. You know, the NFL has been out of their mind with these uh, vaccine mandates forcing all of these healthy young men to put this vaccine in their body, knowing the health risks are enormous. And so um, Aaron Rodgers just said, no, I'm not doing it. I understand that uh, there are other treatments. I've been studying this. Uh, I know that there could be dangers. You know, these kinds of world-class athletes have to take meticulous care of their bodies. Uh, whether it's their diet or their exercise, they're ultimately or uh, intimately acquainted with what uh, what would hurt or harm their body. It's really kind of amazing that so many of them have just acquiesced. It really is when you think about it. And so here comes a key player, a key player for the Green Bay Packers, a key player for the NFL, uh, someone that probably makes them a lot of money in a lot of ways. And he's saying no. Now, I don't, um, I said to you yesterday, and I, I, I stand by, I don't quite understand. I wish I did. I could tell you more specifically. Aaron had been taking some treatments that I wasn't familiar with. I think, and I don't know if he's on ivermectin now, was on ivermectin before. It's, I'm not clear about that. But he took some kind of uh, naturopathic treatment for, uh, for COVID, and then he tested positive. Now, I just read in another source a few minutes ago, that uh, one of the doctors who is all over this, inspecting and researching what's true and what isn't, uh, says again that the test, a COVID test, testing, uh, whatever the PCR, I think they call it, uh, has such a, these are my words, this is probably not correct medically, a broad spectrum that it picks up all kinds of stuff. So whether he really was sick with COVID or had some like illness related to it, like you know, colds are COVID. Uh, they're COVID. COVID nineteen is a specific form of COVID. Uh, but I don't really know. I just don't know. But he didn't feel well, and so he did not play. And the left is furious with him because they are claiming he you know infected other teammates, and you know, and how dangerous it is. In fact, uh, on Sunday, I believe it was Sunday. The there were Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson and uh, there's a third guy that my husband always has a joke about this guy and I get I don't watch football so I don't need all these guys names so he's a great big guy he wears glasses you'll recognize his voice won't you anyway I want you to hear them on the panel kind of speaking about what uh, Aaron Rodgers has done let's listen and I respect his attitude toward being an individual but this is a team game and and in all honesty I'm disappointed. 
in his play on words for his explanation. I, I'm disappointed in some of his selfish actions. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with Aaron when he says what I do with my body is a personal decision. But it ceases to be a personal decision when you take part in being part of a football team in a building with coaches, players, trainers, equipment men, period. And, and you run the risk of taking something home to your wife, your children, your grandchildren. And, and also, from a football standpoint, this team's sitting at 7-1, and one, and they certainly would be in, in vying for the only buy in, in the playoffs in the first round. And also, the best home field advantage in football is where? Green, Green Bay, Bay. January yeah. 23 below zero. Yeah. Putting all of that in jeopardy and, put, and possibly putting your teammates in jeopardy, to me, is selfish. I, I, when I give Aaron Rodgers some advice. It would have been nice if he had just come to the Naval Academy and learned how to be honest. Yeah. Learn, learn not to lie, because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied to everyone. I understand immunized. What you were doing was taking stuff that would keep you from getting COVID-19. You got COVID-19. Ivermectin is a cattle dewormer. Sorry, folks. That's what it is. We are a divided nation politically. We're a divided nation on the COVID-19, whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves, and I'm extremely disappointed in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. Well, another thing I would say, probably there are times to quote Martin Luther King, and this was not one of them as well. Yeah, so uh, I didn't hear Howie Long's voice in that clip, but Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, Howie Long, uh, Howie Long, he's the dude with the glasses, the big, good-looking dude, and Michael Strahan. Those were their voices, and you heard them. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, you lied. It, you took uh, that's a cattle dewormer. You took ivermectin. You've put your your uh, your your fellow players at risk. And of course, Jimmy Johnson went on to talk about how selfish he was, and he would be putting his children at risk, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, you wonder honestly, do they not pay any attention to what's actually happening? Have they noticed that in certainly in Israel and other countries? Almost 100% of the infected people are the ones that are vaccinated. This is just happening worldwide. So I don't have any stats for this country because heaven knows they don't keep those kind of stats. We know they don't. They, we know that they ordered hospitals not to keep the stats of people that were vaccinated and uh, came in with COVID. Yeah, so we don't know those stats. But I have to hate, I hate to tell them this because I'm not going to tell them how to play football, but I will tell them that they should shut up about other things because they're ignorant. And Aaron Rodgers is not ignorant about this. If anyone's uh, trying to do the right thing and make himself, you know, he's taking preventative care. Now, I don't understand, again, what he was taking and if he took ivermectin before this or after, I don't know. So I wish I could. It would make our position on ivermectin firmer, but I can't say that. I know he's taking it. I don't know if he was taking it prior to getting COVID. And so he's taking a hit. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, he's, a he's as you know, he is uh, the spokesperson for several uh, several companies, and one of the companies, you know, quickly dropped him. It was, uh, what's it called? Uh, Previa Health. So they dropped him because, you know, because it's uh, icky to have someone who won't be vaccinated because that's not, uh, that's not what the herd does. The herd has to believe that they all have to be vaccinated. And if he wants to be different than the herd, well, then he must be purged. But... Interestingly enough, if you're looking for insurance, or even if you're not, maybe it's time to change to State Farm, because State Farm has said, uh, basically about Aaron Rodgers, this is their statement. They say, um, 
Let's see. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been a great ambassador for our country for much of the past decade. We don't support some of the statements he has made, but we respect his right to have his own personal point of view. We recognize our customers, employees, agents, and brand ambassadors come from all walks of life with differing viewpoints on many issues. Our mission statement at State Farm is to support safer, stronger communities. To that end, we encourage vaccinations, but respect everyone's right to make a choice based on their personal circumstances. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to switch to State Farm. I mean, really. Uh, and they're going to be bad. You know, they're going to be bashed, and they'll the left will come after them with a vengeance. And so, and they're going to come after Aaron Rodgers. It's it'll be interesting to see, won't it, if he has enough uh, mojo in the NFL and at the Green Bay Packers to withstand all of this. And of course, what a terrible decision for him. I I have a feeling I know which decision he would make. I don't think he will get the the vaccine no matter what because I think he knows a lot about it. And you know what? I this is what I also think. <laughs> I think Aaron Rodgers might have had a conversation with our good friend, Senator Ron Johnson, just saying, I think maybe somebody got to Aaron to talk to him about the dangers, and uh, God bless Ron Johnson if he did that. So um, there's another part of this. Of course, one of the reasons people are so ignorant about this is because of uh, what's happened on Facebook and social media. A lot of your friends have no idea about the things that you know. And they don't even know, you don't even know, you ask me all the time, where can I find this information? And there's a reason for that, because Facebook and um, PolitiFact and Facebook are spreading gravely dangerous falsehoods about COVID-19. And in this one article I was reading this morning, especially about the survival rate, I'm going to make this, this is, gets down into the weeds of numbers, uh, but in PolitiFact, they, t- they wrote an article, published one, called Why the COVID-19 Survival Rate is Not Over 99%. And they, but according to a researcher, James Agresti, he says that they used, uh, according to legitimate methods, the average COVID 19 survival rate is firmly over 99%. That is like the average for everyone. If you get COVID, you have over a 99% chance of living. And so, um, you know, but then the left takes this number from PolitiFact, which is a, they say, that about 1.7% of U.S. residents who contract COVID die. They say that they, they use completely faulty math to come to that. But the results of that are that in a 2020 Cambridge University press paper, Dr. Ronald Brown, a Ph.D. who specializes in pathophysiology and epidemiology, documents the mortal dangers of overstating fatality rates and emphasizes that these seemingly minor miscalculations can develop into disasters. In the paper, Brown details how false fatality rates spark exaggerated levels of fear, severe mitigating measures that caused considerable global, social, and economic disruption. Some outcomes of this include domestic violence, closed businesses and schools, laid-off workers, anxiety, anger, and post-traumatic stress, massive growth in government death, alcohol abuse, and preventing people from seeking needed health care services. And so a PolitiFact is cooperating with Facebook. They're working together. In fact, they're bragging that they have a partnership with Facebook. And that's why your friends and neighbors and maybe those guys, those NFL players on that panel making fools of themselves, uh, don't know that either. And that's why it's very important that we tell you what's true and what isn't. There's um, a nurse in a hospital in New York who was on Fox just a few nights ago. 
or maybe, uh, yeah, just a few nights ago, and I want you to hear what she had to say about being laid off. She's just had a stroke, and so she did not want to get the vaccine because she knows it causes blood clots, and uh, which leads to stroke. And this is clip 18. Let's listen. It's been a whirlwind of emotions, honestly. Um, I think that we have, um, you know, there was threat that we were going to be let go, but we were um, hailed heroes last year. We fought through the whole pandemic. And then all of a sudden now we're kind of thrown out like trash and we worked through all of it. So to me, um, having a mandate for something new, newly pushed out like this and with no long-term data, um, I wasn't willing to take the risk. I had a history of a stroke last November, which with a medical concern that was legitimate and uh, they didn't seem to care. There was a lot of pressure on their license and they just said they couldn't take the risk. I do know a lot of my coworkers that work in other units say they're very short staffed. Um, I haven't been there obviously and it's hard for me to give direct you know knowledge of the situation at hand but I do know that there are very long waits in the emergency room and a lot of over overworked people um, I personally just feel very strongly about um, fighting for our rights here because you know something that you know have it has a lot of risks like this vaccine should have a choice and we, we don't have that choice when it's taken away from us we're on a slippery slope here in America. So I just am urging everybody to stand up and try to unite and be able to stand for our children and for our freedoms. Senator Ron Johnson just had a whole panel of very educated people and their whole entire three and a half hours worth of it was concerns about, you know, vaccine injuries and all these negative side effects to the vaccination. And that's all coming out now. I'd prefer not to be an experiment. And I think that it's a fair choice to be able to say you want to wait for long term data. You know, I haven't I've had previous vaccinations. I don't understand why we can't have that right as Americans. Yeah, well, we are already wondering that. That's Genoviana Pascale. You know, she's had a stroke and they're insisting that she have the, the, the vaccine vaccination. It's just that's horrific. That's just horrific. We had another nurse yesterday who uh, had a terrible time getting pregnant, had lost several babies, just had her baby is nursing and was afraid to take the vaccine. They will not give her any kind of a, a, a exemption for that. So remember that there is a walkout taking place November 8th to the 11th across the globe. Hundreds of thousands are striking uh, on their work against the vaccine mandates. And you might want to consider joining them. This is Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.